The following podcast may be explicit. It may contain references to and examples of bodily functions. It may also contain infantile humor and profane language. It may also contain some useful information about the tabletop RPG hobby. If you find any of these things offensive, stop listening now. Oh, we had this good idea. Well, it seemed good at the time. Now half our party's dead, and that sure ain't a good sign. So now we're back to character gen, our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. Oh, we had this good idea. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. So now we're back to character gen, our error we now see. So before we try out plan A, let's figure out plan B. Thank you for joining us, Season 12, Episode 20 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Kimmy. This is Stark. This is Jib. And your old Jib. Yeah. You're older <laughs> I than know. You know. <laughs> Are you? He might be the oldest in the room. I'm not sure. I don't know. What year were you born? Uh, sixty-five. Oh, you oh, me are. too. No. Oh, me actually, too. I think Stork is is a winter birthday. August. Yeah, you're, he's four months older than me. Oh, there's a Stork. Yeah, that's why he has less gray in his hair and beard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> why do I have more? Every one of these. Has you were blonde. Beards, names uh-huh. on it. You were blonde and redhead back when you had it. Yeah. And blondes and redheads go gray faster. <sighs> Fucking a. All right. Um. Oh, podcast. Uh, I need to plug. We have a con coming up. What? In February. We didn't just finish one? Yeah, it's in November. February. It's coming up n- not that right far smartly. from now. February. Yeah, but it's like the new year. <laughs> it's like three months away, isn't no. it? No, yeah, you're right. Uh, four. Uh, three and a half? I think three. Isn't it like in between? Yeah, it's January, in February. February. It is it's around the 17th of <coughs> oh, February. It is February 13th, it's 14th, President's 15th, Day and weekend. President's Day weekend, and that's going to be at the Hilton again? The Paris Hilton. The yeah. Paris Hilton. Is uh, that the one with or without air conditioning? Without. Without. It's the skanky one we don't like. That's why it's the Paris Hilton. Yeah. No. Well, if the air conditioning's fixed, it was fine, the first con. No, the f- no. No, the first con was fine. The, the first con the was better. Uh, I wouldn't say it was <coughs> fine. I yeah. thought the food was fine. It's not and as good as it was at the Sheraton. I and the mm. bar closes. Okay, the bar closing, <laughs> I, yeah. Or opened. Or opened. It doesn't open until yeah. four. four. You can you know, you know can take a cooler with your own beer. Apparently, they're encouraging that. That's yeah. what <laughs> we do. <laughs> um, have you submitted your games? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll just run the games I didn't uh, run at the last con. That's what I'm playing. They're done. So you, yeah. There you go. This is the first time I heard about this con. I didn't realize it was coming up. (laughs) No, it is. Same time every year, right? Right, Batman? Yep. Same con time. So Cthulhu laser ponies will happen. Soundboard check. (laughs) Okay. Um, I didn't hear anything. You're going to do the Cthulhu laser pony? Yeah. Uh, I'll do the the L5R game that I never ran. And and you know what? And we haven't even played L5R, and it's getting difficult schedule, because holidays are coming up now. Yep. Yep. So. (sighs) I know. I know. Uh, God, it sucks being a grown-up. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I mean, we would have like had, I don't know, back in the day, we would have had, I don't know, six months of playing under our belt by now. What? Every week, every weekend, oh, yeah. we would be yeah, playing, yeah. and we would have, like, we would have yeah. had a ton of work. We would have yeah. gone through, like, I don't know, eight or nine sessions. Yeah. I know. You're okay. Right. I, I'm, I'm not seeing the disconnect here. <laughs> 
Grown children, Chip. You have grown children. <laughs> it's a little different. Yeah, it's very different. <laughs> no, when my, when my kids were young, I just played with them. <sighs> my son looked at the D&D box, the starter set, and he's oh. like, Daddy, can we play this? I'm like, not right now, but yes, we will. Yes. Because it was like, we were like walking out the door. Uh-huh. <clears throat> we were talking before the show about my my daughter became a geek just, just by association, I guess, hanging around friends and it's genetic. She she gamed a bit. I mean, she did a Star Wars game with some friends at fair and stuff. And I think she's actually joined the role playing game group in college. That's awesome. So oh, did she? I she Good. says she did. I don't know what they're doing. She's very although she did type in saying, "Do you have Call of Cthulhu? I'm very interested in this." So I said, <laughs> "I don't have a copy of the game, but I she sent her some mine. links." Yeah. I can buy mine. I, I, we, I, we can arrange. Christmas is coming. Totally Christmas is in fact coming. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Get your daughter, your daughter, Call of Cthulhu. Give, give Cthulhu for Christmas. Yeah, right? Cthulhu. I've got I've got expansions too. If you want to borrow, have a holly jolly young shagoth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, since Cthulhu came up, um, Gamers Table just concluded their actual play uh, radio drama series of their uh, Call of Cthulhu game, um, A Stygian Fragment, which is really good. It's it's a lot of fun to listen to. Oh, cool. They're the ones that do a, like actual radio play, yeah. right? Yeah, they, yeah. they intersperse gameplay with dramatic stuff. Very cool. Oh. Um, and they'll have people like record... Bits for NPCs. Um, I did. Uh, I did it. Recorded a bit for this series. Um, and Rob Skaggs from Monkey in the Cage recorded a bit for them. For this. What's wrong, Sue? I'm going to turn the AC on. Sorry, Kimmy. I, he was. Yeah, that's okay. He was pointing at the, the computer. I'm like, you didn't hit the space no, bar with your elbow. Did you? I was willing the air conditioning to come on. Ah. <laughs> so anyway, what else did we have to plug? Sorry, that's that's very professional of me. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Oh yeah! If you want to buy a T-shirt, I got T-shirts left still. I got two XLs, uh, maybe some smalls and mediums. I think that's it. Cool. No XLs. I have no idea what happened to my T-shirt. I I know I got one. Do you wear a two X? I do now. Sure. Why not? Okay. I've got two X's. I've got I've got several. I know I got one. I took it home. It's gone. I think Emily, my daughter, took it. Maybe she did. I think she took it. Uh, But if you want to get one, uh, oh god, I don't even remember the link. (laughs) (laughs) Angryfolk.com slash Something I don't remember. Such great big fat man. Great version. Just find uh, us on social media and we'll tell you. Yeah, I'll I'll put the link in the show notes. But if you still if you want one and you wear two XL or some smaller like low end of the bell curve sizes, <laughs> that's all we have left. Yeah, our bell curve skews a little high. Well, you know, that's because you. when we bought really small women's t-shirts. No, I'm talking about I'm just no. talking about men's sizes. Yeah, no, no, no. When you buy really small women's t-shirts, like. Too small for normal women to wear. They were awesome. No, they were. They were really, awesome. really great. Look, like people yeah. put them on and say, "Do this look good?" And we went, "Yes." yes. <laughs> no, they no. were so mad. It was a very expensive practical <laughs> joke. Is what it was. <laughs> Dry- we, got, we sold them. Yeah, we did. Like, Some uh, drawing game inspiration from real life from Ryan. Dear Stoosh and the Jacks of all trades. That's a new one. I like oh, that one. That's nice. Script. Colin, <coughs> please forgive. <laughs> not the word colon. It's, no, I know it's, it's an actual colon. It's, <laughs> you it's start funny. saying duty. I'm going to be out of here. <laughs> <It's> r- <laughs> please forgive the assumption, but I think that most of us would agree with the adage asserting that truth is stranger than fiction. It would follow then 
that some of the best concepts at the gaming table are inspired by, if not outright stolen from, real-life events. History offers a wealth of potential story seeds. Word. And recent news events can provide inspiration involving subjects that, to begin with, are already on the minds of the players. We have seen this in Happy Jack's games, such as the changeling in the form of a murderous 13-year-old from Stork and Dave's Freak Show game, and Stalin's female snipers from Stu's Smirsch game. That's right, yeah. Uh, my question is this. Can one employ real events as game ideas without minimizing the often difficult reality of these topics? Is it possible to run through a scenario in which reformed thieves break into the labs of big pharma corporations to steal secrets... Se- <laughs> corporation that is secretly withholding an Ebola vaccine uh, in a power play or a spec ops team takes out a key ISIL base without appearing insensitive to the real-life devastation and bordering on sociopathic. Are we instead limited to more benign premises? 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 Premises. 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 Such Such as the Phil... Phil... Filet Lander? What? Fila. No, I don't even know what that is. Oh, yeah, it's oh, the comet landing. Oh, that thing. Okay, right. Wow, this is. I I must have just got this email. Wow, that just happened, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah, three days ago, four days ago. Anyway. Oh my God, we're on top of things. It's so right. the lander. Yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a topper? Philander awaking. No, the philanderer. A philander on top of something is completely different. Philander awaking something sinister on Comet 67P. I don't know how you managed to make that sentence sound awful, but you did. It's a completely innocuous sentence, and you made it sound perverted. Or or having... <laughs> I, I, this is just got incoherent now, okay. and it's my fault. Or having the, the PCs investigate the mysterious murder of Jasper the Tasmanian Devil. Actually, that comet thing might work well for JackerCon first weekend in November if anyone wants to use it, because it landed, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, is everything fair game in gaming, or are there some, thing, some lines we shouldn't cross? Because, if we really think about it, in the least, these things are the cause of real suffering, like the Salem Witch Trials. Kimmy. I know. So <laughs> insensitive. I too know. soon, too soon. At worst. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> I say the same thing about the crucifixion. Yeah. Uh, at worst, uh, these are horrible, a uh, horrible blight up upon humanity, like the Kardashians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, if these topics aren't off limits, how can we approach them in a way that doesn't callously disregard the reality they represent? Thanks for the show and take a drink, Ryan. Woo-hoo. World's eye on the forum. So I, that's the kind of what I want to talk about: is using real life human misery in a game, and I would like to. <laughs> I would like to specifically talk about using topical things mm-hmm. as opposed to general misery or, or distant past events. I mean, because I mean, a lot of people run games in, in a World War II setting. Yeah, I just saw someone shared a link on uh, Facebook about a Vietnam con, oh. but it's like a fair. It's like a Renaissance fair, but it's the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. That's too soon. So it's I, like a reenactment. It's a re- yes, it's a reenactment. Everyone who shows up, you have to show up in costume. Okay. You can be a soldier 
or you can just be like dressed up in whatever 1960s stuff people would wear when they're in Southeast Asia, whatever that happens to be. Um, but yeah, sounds very it's actually it's like a I Vietnam fair. I I swear I just saw it That's, today. I'm not sure I would feel comfortable going to that. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I can't say because I am. I, I would be somewhat conflicted about that because of the political turmoil and <clears throat> whatnot that went on. But it's a it's I won't say it's not a it's a bad topic for a game. Yeah, but this is an actual fair. Well the Vietnam the Vietnam War. Yeah. Or I, a fair about the Vietnam yeah, War. But I don't I just don't know that I would have any interest in going to a fair about the Vietnam War. I, no. it's kind of, it seems kinda of weird. And, um, and it's so recent, it's like... Although, if it's actual, like, vets, like, sh- partially sharing their experience... That would be different. That might be interesting. Right. Would it be like the Renaissance people going to a medieval fair? I mean, isn't... <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it's like, we still know people that lived through that? Do we Do we really... I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get my... To my, my closet. Yeah. We're going to the 90s fair. Right! <laughs> <laughs> 80s fair. Right. Well, yeah, that I mean, people have. I, I remember when parachute pants are kids, back. quote unquote, had <sighs> had eighties parties. I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's <laughs> a moment. That's that's me. Oh my god, my so, class one year they did, wanted to do the seventies. Then we wanted to do a seventies theme party, and it was great. And so I started pulling up pictures because it was like I don't know, it was part of an assignment. I remember, and they're like, that's not the seventies. I'm like, no, no, it is the seventies. This is this is the seventies. Right is what it looks like, but. And then they start describing, and they just start describing the eighties. And I'm like, "That's no, not that the seventies. That's no. the eighties. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> you're not really eighties. You're more nineties. Uh, yeah. In the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but when we get when, when you start I'm talking thrilled. about <laughs> right when you start talking about using let's say real life events right is there obviously there's there's all kinds of different lines yeah because I mean. I don't think most people would have a problem running a game here about a Marburg or Ebola outbreak mm-hmm. taking place in West Africa somewhere right. and running that game. And we really wouldn't even consider it a problem. Those very same people, they might have a problem running a game where there's a school shooting in the right. in Colorado, for instance. Well, Right? So I yeah. think distance probably has something to do with that. But I wonder if that's a... Go ahead. I think that <clears throat> that these kinds of topics are good fuel for games, but I think at the same time you have to be sensitive to your individual players. And if a particular topic is problematic for a player, at you need to discuss it with the player ahead of time and say, "Look, you know, are you okay if we go down this road?" Um, the problem is you may not know that. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's presupposing a lot. It, well, it is. Um, um, sometimes the GM thinks it's a great idea and doesn't even know that, there, that right, it could be offensive. Right, which is why when you're at the table and you're running the game, you need to be aware of the emotional feedback coming at you from the table. I would that in an ideal world, that's perfect. But we have a very good friend who ran a game that that insulted and and offended and made one of our very good friends cry. Yeah. Unintentionally, with all the best intentions, he had no idea that that he was straying into that area. Had he known, he would have probably said something. In fact, as it left, it left his lips, he knew. Right, I, and and that's an ideal thing. But I, I not to dis say what you're saying because that's perfect. You're right. And, you, people should be upfront about the, like where they're going right. to go with a game. But 
I, I guess where, where I'm going is when that happened, what did the GM do? When he realized this was happening. Well, he had to finish where he was going, first of all, but he, he had, afterwards everything I think was talked out. He said, I apologize. But that's not. That's, but, but that's that, the best you can do. Yeah. yeah. That's my, the best you can do. My. my take on this when I first heard this was it brought me to something that I was taught early on and we use it up on stage too which is especially with our show which is everything is fair game except for two things politics and religion because you can laugh about school shootings and things if you spin it right but the minute you start talking what? about <laughs> <laughs> maybe not I don't yeah. think so yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know maybe not not school shooting okay maybe bad bad uh, maybe it's a bad example <laughs> But religion and politics are two things that are absolute show killers. Because there's a lot of yeah. people that the minute you bring up God, they're like, hey, that's not funny. Yeah. Or the minute yeah. you bring up politics, hey, that's not funny. You're going to divide the audience. And mm-hmm. it's the same. I was taught that as a kid when you're at a, when you're at a dinner <coughs> table. You don't bring up, and sports, that's the other one, is, is at a dinner conversation. Yeah. You just don't bring up those three com- at, a, at a dinner conversation. I think that that's probably a good thing to work around when you're building a game. Go ahead. Go, well, if the politics is okay if it's in the distant or enough in the past. Well, I think. Here's the danger, I think, when it comes to doing current event stuff um, or a lot of real real life stuff is, I think, a lot of times the politics of the GM becomes the reality of the of the of the world of the fiction Mm -hmm. okay you know what I mean so like if if it's a school shooting and you got someone who is like very anti-gun yeah uh, things are gonna unfold that way or it could happen the other way too if someone's very pro pro gun and Mm -hmm. it could and there's a lot of events could happen that way yeah you know and a lot of public events especially when you're around an election end up getting politicized by both sides, mm-hmm. and it becomes a very these they become very charged topics, and they become very divisive. And I think, and I I think that's one of the reasons that that politics and religion are death on stage, is exactly because of the fact that what the first thing you're going to do when you when you bring up politics or religion is you're going to take that audience and you're going to divide them into two groups. Yeah, you've drawn lines is, in the sand all of a sudden. One group is going to laugh and right. think it's funny, and the other group is not going to laugh. Right, and they're not going to think it's funny. Right, and so th- that's why you don't hit on those those topics because once the audience is divided you've lost roughly half of them right but i mean i do think that it's possible especially with the current events the school shooting for example like we've had a bunch of those recently um i think there are times and certain ways you can do a story like that like i wouldn't necessarily freak out if i sat down to a game and it was about a school shooting to be completely honest um i'd probably go like go into principal mode it'd be like Hopefully not like rehearsal forever real life, but like you know, it's, it'd be interesting to use you know the those p- plans and things I've laid out. But I think it could be in some ways be like cathartic for people who have very high tension about things like that. Like we're all very tense about school shootings at the moment. If you suddenly are part of a team that's put in and they save a school from a shooter, right? Like that can be a great thing. Or or you're the Breakfast Club and you happen to be in the library when something goes down. Yeah, whatever. Right? It's, it's you, the jock. What, the, yeah. I was actually watching that today and, and that <laughs> dangerous guy and they're like, yeah, yeah I, man, I got some bombs in my locker and they're like, all right. <laughs> I, I mean, maybe I mean, that's also a bad example. I'm going, I'm, see, see, I see how bad it goes. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, there are ways Jesus that you could, stork. yeah, there are ways you could do that where they stop whatever it is that's yes. so awful. Right. Like Ebola, uh, the Ebola virus is mentioned in the in the email. Right. And uh, unless you like happen to have a player whose family members with one of like the two people 
in the United States or however many it is now that have had Ebola, like that's probably a very interesting topic to play off of. Um, you know, whether it's you're stopping a corporation who's let it loose in the United States for some nefarious purpose or whatever it is, mm-hmm. I think as long as you're tying in enough fiction into it, coming up with crazy, like, theory stories or, you mm-hmm. know, p- things behind it, and rather than it just being... Or... I don't know, I think yeah. it helps. Or mash it up with something that it doesn't necessarily fit with. So, like, like you take a, a, a current theme, like a school shooting or mm-hmm. the Ebola virus... And you put that conceptually into a different setting. Mm-hmm. You know, now you've kind of distanced it from the current reality a little bit. And you can explore that that thing from a little bit of a distance. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's lines that shouldn't be crossed. Absolutely. And I mm-hmm. think that distance, time, makes all of these uh, things better easier, you know? Things from the Vietnam War, which we were joking about earlier, are easier for us to understand than it would be for somebody who actually lived through the Vietnam War, perhaps, right? And and if you know you have a Vietnam vet in your group, you might want to approach them and tell them that that's happening. Right. Things that are happening currently, uh, you know, something that that happened that's still raw on everybody's nerves, that's a hot-button topic, and you should at least be socially apt enough to know that you are... that. Even though this that this happened just now, it might actually be a really sensitive thing for people in your group. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kimmy. Go ahead. No, no. I, I was just saying, um, but it also because of that passion and because of that, like, like it being connect so connected to people right now, it can be a great you know thing to use. Like they were talking about the the landing on the comet recently. Mm-hmm. Like that's brilliant. Like you come up with so many cool stories. You know, they're awake something on the comet, or this is actually like a whole thing that NASA, you know, is a front for where they're actually like trying to kill something or mine something that'll actually, ruin the world. Or I read something. a short story a million years ago that said comets are actually alive. You know, what do we really know about comets anyway? Right. Yeah, I so mean, there's so many cool things that could happen with that story. And because it's something that's very, like, highly charged right now, people are very high, have a very high interest level, that can really, you know, up your yeah. player's interest and, like, buy-in. Or, I mean, what if you, what if, like, you start doing, doing stories like the Hale-Bopp thing? I mean, that's, lo- that's almost local, right? Mm-hmm. Remember the do you remember the suicide cult in San Diego? Yeah, yeah. right. I mean, I, I don't. I, how cl- how how distant do you have to be before it's okay to do something like that? I, I, mean, I think it's going to vary wildly depending on the people you have. Yeah, and, and maybe you know if you use that as a jumping off point and then d- deviate wildly from the facts, right? It's like the, I'm using this as the the cult, right. and you guys are brought in to investigate it, and then something else happens, and then so you've moved on, or maybe uh, the, yeah. I think I think the worst thing you can do is if uh, you as a GM come in with an agenda, yeah, mm-hmm. political or religious, and you want to pre- push your agenda on your players, you're uh, going to use the game as a lesson. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's when yeah. it gets really, really bad. Most really creative people can use a topic as a starting point and move on. I mean, Stu used... Uh, murders in Disneyland, which isn't necessarily something that happened, as far as we know, right? As a starting point, but that wasn't the focus of the game. He used that as a as a as a moment of the game, and we moved on to a whole right. different that was set to, of like things. accelerate the right. you know, exactly or, or and raise the ex- stage. You raise the tension, which is exactly what happens if you pick more current events, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I th- yeah. I think that also one of the things that you can do is instead of using the exact. Like, instead of using, oh, the Seattle school shooting, like, make it a generic school shooting. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that you can use to buffer and kind of take, your the, town take the USA. edge off something. Yeah. Like, it's, it's 
you may even use like you know uh, uh, actual timelines or whatever from a specific event but if you make them generic or make them custom to your game then it it won't quite you know rub people it, the wrong ways or just or just don't pick something that's so hot topic or, or, or such a hot button topic uh, Dave and I picked uh, Charlie Sheen's antics from about two years ago as right. a, as Which a, is, that's just a distraction as a focal point actually for our traveler game we had Chaz Lumen Charlie Sheen got it uh, as, as the you know they had to take this spoiled rich kid and transport him and of course shenanigans happen right it, and it was basically ripped from the headlines about all the shenanigans and everybody knew once they got in the game oh my god it's Charlie Sheen mm-hmm. right and and we they were stuck on a ship dealing with Charlie Sheen it was fine we didn't we didn't Take any of the facts from the whole Charlie Sheen thing. We just took yeah, the, the whole Charlie Sheen thing. Genre. The Charlie Sheen thing is not a an example of human tragedy, except but for one guy. That's, that's what I was saying. As long as <laughs> yeah, it's not hop on topics, right? Yeah, except for one guy who's still got more money than we do. <laughs> that, yeah, tragic. That's, that's yeah. great. That's tragic. I still wouldn't want to be him. <laughs> um, nah. Yeah, I, I would. I would say though. I mean, at least my personal answer: there are no topics that are completely off limits. If you approach them carefully and in like a responsible way and with like yeah. thoughts of who's in your 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 group of players, I think you can handle just about any topic. There are things that I won't do on screen, like I won't do things involving like rape or mm-hmm. um, you know any you know harm to a child or something. Mm-hmm. I won't do it on screen. It mm-hmm. won't, won't occur on yeah. screen. But you might find the aftermath of it right, or as a starting point. It's like they raped my wife. Like, well, exactly. Like, you need yeah. to you avenge on, me. You'd come up on the aftermath right. of it, and that would be uh, a, a jumping off point mm-hmm. for something in the game. Just kill yeah. them. That'd be interesting. Just I mean, kill them. Just kill well, them. Well, no, I'm in favor of <laughs> in a game. I, mean, I, I do not I would, disagree with that yeah. premise. I, 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 I we have to figure out who they are. Why, first. Even, That's bring, the game. why even bring it up? Well, at that point, yeah. You're like, why? I guess that's a it's very good point as well. If you're going to bring up something horrific, it's ripping them to tell you, better have a reason for being there. Well, yeah, no. You, and not just be sensationalist, I guess? Well, as I've said more than once, um, I don't think anything should happen in a game that does not have a purpose to the game. Right. So, yeah. Right. Uh, I want to do, like, a, a creepy, like, haunted school now that, like, some awful school shooting happened. <sighs> and it's, like, a haunt. And now there's just, like, the souls of these poor kids everywhere now. And I don't know. It sounds really fucking messed up and creepy. It, do- it sounds it very sounds messed up and creepy. So it perfect. does. But it yeah. also sounds like a fun I screw- game. I run the most screwed up games. Perfect, perfect, <laughs> freak, perfect freak show game. Perfect. Yeah, amazing, right? Ah. <laughs> Start running notes. Yeah. <laughs> ghosts. Yeah. Ghosts. Creepy ghosts. <laughs> Columbine. Ghosts of Columbine. <laughs> oh man! Oh. See, that's like I'm still like, too soon. Right. Cringe. I yeah. cringe when I you know. actu- when you actually make it specific. I, I cringed. Right now. Yeah. See, I, I think that's a big key there. I yeah. think making it specific, like, and then you start recalling like the news story right. and the pictures of the kids, and, and you like, start thinking about the parents and mm-hmm. grieving over their but children. But if it's like shit. you know, oh, the school shooting in you know small town Connecticut, you know, like wherever, like a random right. place, suddenly it's like. The ra- that just softer, rounded edges a little. In Podunkville. Yeah, right. wherever. It's a little less focused. Right, exactly. Uh, S.B. Lloyd, thank you very much there, Ryan, for the topic. topic. Yeah, that's a, that's a good topic. Uh, S.B. Lloyd had a couple things in the Q&A. If you are listening to the show, and you should be listening to the show. You should. On Friday nights at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. Because what else do you have to do? 8.30-ish. People thought... You know what? I, I, did it, we, I, I should have said that we weren't doing a show on Halloween. Mm. 
because we didn't do a show on Halloween, and, and a lot of people, the chat, and, uh, it was by evidence by the chat room. There was a lot of people in the chat room hanging out, waiting to see if we were going to do a show on Halloween. And Wait, I should have at least. Didn't we do it like a Halloween drunk show last year? We did, and it killed the Halloween party. Actually, no. I was talking. Gina and I were talking about that. It was actually the Thanksgiving show. Oh, uh, right. that's right. That, right. That, okay. And people were drinky, and we came in and you know did the podcast and went back out, and everybody and was everyone gone. was gone. Right. <laughs> so and, and I want to I, I don't want to kill the party. So we are going to do the have a, another day after Thanksgiving party. So I want to. There was a fun one a few years ago though, where we like rotated out. Well, like, that every- was it, and it killed the party. Oh, we so all you were waiting. in the early batch, and then you got to end it, but oh. it kept going and going. And by the yeah, then you left, oh. and then then by the time the last group yeah. left, they're like crickets. Yeah, yeah, I, I came in and closed the show, and when we came back out, there's like five people left. Oh. Yeah, there's just yeah. tumbleweeds, and, and, that, and it was I don't know what I don't even remember what time it was by the time we ended it, but I, we probably won't do a show the day after Thanksgiving. If we get a chance, maybe we'll record a show early. prior to that, yeah, yeah. And, and release it then. But it won't. Probably won't stream live then. But we do stream the show live on most Fridays mm-hmm. at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time at happyjacks.org slash live. Yeah. You can watch the video, uh, the YouTubes thing. It's embedded in there. And there's also a chat room. The chat room is there right now. And I would like to thank the people who are in the chat room. Thank you. Yay, chat room. Welcome you. And there's about 12 or and If you have a Google Christ account, okay. I think it just, it just automatically links in. Yeah, it's something. I don't know. That's very mysterious to me. It is. Well, there's also a Q&A app, and you can ask questions. I don't know how, but there's a thing in there, and I don't want to look at it. Cause it does a thing know. with a thing. But Sometimes about we get the good thing. questions. You know, who, you know who you need to ask about it? Hmm. You need to ask S.B. Lloyd. Yes. Because S.B. Lloyd, awesome. he's got a question here. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> bait and switch <laughs> for one-shot con games. There's a meeting coming up in two weeks, and I thought I'd set up a one-shot that could break the ice. How unethical would it be to bait and switch the pre-gens? i.e. the characters are all Jason Bourne-style deep-cover plants that get activated, switching from accountants, witnesses, and IT professionals into assassins. Well, that's awesome. allow me to comment. Sorry. A mm-hmm. um, number of years ago, I ran a game called Sleepers, yeah. where the characters all woke up, and they were a kid, a banker, a cheerleader, a soccer mom, a rock star, you know, things like that. Right. And... They had no idea how they'd gotten there. They didn't even know where they were. Um, but they were really clones, genetically engineered, and programmed to be sleeper agents. Okay. And um, they woke up before they were supposed to, and um, the whole game was about them getting out of this facility and finding out you know, who and what they really were. Right. Um, so no, I don't think that's a bad thing. How the, play- the players react to it? The players reacted extremely well to okay. it. Because, right. um, like, when the game started, they're in this room together, and they didn't know how they'd gotten there, and um, or, or anything like that. And uh, there's this door with like a hand scanner next to it. Right. And I let them mill around and try to you know sort things out, you know, for a minute. And then I handed the player who was playing the kid a note that said you're pretty sure that if you could get that hand scanner open you could um jury you know rig it to open the door he went oh okay well do i have a screwdriver i said well you could look around and he found a, a little toolkit that had a screwdriver in it and he opens this, the thing up and i said roll me some dice and he didn't even know what he was rolling for because he didn't they didn't even have their character sheets at this point right they had a little biography and um but he rolls a dice, and he succeeded. 
gets the door open. They open the door. They go out in the hall, and the hall's dark. But there's a light coming from underneath a door at the far end. So they go down there, and the guy who's playing the rock star goes, well, I don't know what the hell I'm doing in rehab, but this is bullshit. And he goes down, and he bangs on the door. Guard opens the door up, looks at him, and grabs a taser and starts to tase him. And don't I Don't tase me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at, at... Bruce happened to be playing the cheerleader in this game, and I said... Now, you you were going to really let that guard tase, because it was the, the rock star, and she was a fan. That was part sure, of her bio. the dynamic. And I said, you're going to let that guard tase him? And she was like, hell no. I said, you think you could kick his ass? And so Bruce was like, well, all right, I'm going to kick, I'm going to going to kick, going to, you know, like, jump off a wall and kick him. I was like, cool, roll me some dice. Mm. And he rolls, and he, like, just, like, brutally mangled. So he buffied him. The guard and like kicked him into the wall and broke him in half and anyway and everything. The, the point being that that they had no idea how they were doing all of this. Right. Though. They had no idea that they had these abilities. I would just you know they'd try to do something. I'd say, but "Do you think you can make that happen? Now, Roll some dice." I was going to say they didn't. They didn't feel it was bait and switched. Um, is, is his is is his concern right? Well, they, they, they didn't feel gypped. No, no, they didn't. And my my point is that because it was woven through the story. Right. Because a little while later they found a computer and the kid hacked into the computer and on the computer were files about each one of them and that's when I handed them their character sheets. Cause, okay. Because, Stu, you and Bill actually wrote a game, didn't you, where you did a bait and switch. We did. We did a bait and switch where everyone had a, a superhero and... And they showed oh, up yeah. and they had I remember that game. I didn't game, play. I watched. The game started... We, yeah, we didn't get very far in it. Um, the game started and all of the superheroes disappeared. And then we handed each of the players an envelope, and they were playing the sidekick of the superhero they had picked. Yeah. Right. See, I feel like that's a much more challenging, because, like, okay, you're an accountant. No, you're actually, like, a secret operative. Like, right. no one's going to be sad about that bait you're, and switch. You're still actually your character. You're still actually a, te- a, a teenage girl. She just has superhero powers. Well, and they actually gave them a new character. You're not an accountant. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> no one's going to be a disappointed <laughs> That's going to be upset Good about Good point, that. Kimmy. Oh, crap. Take. I don't get to now, do taxes. Oh, you're a Girl Scout. Oh, wait, no, you're Black Widow. Like, <laughs> right. come on. Exactly. And the other, the other concept for a game I keep threatening to run in GURPS is a superhero game where everyone gets, like, a, like an illustration of their character and, like, with their logo and the name and everything. But when they actually hand the character sheets out, they're, like, real-life superheroes. So they're, like... Like what, what's his name? Phoenix Jones and yeah. like normal people. Like they're just vigilantes. Like I've got, I'm a guy with a stick. Yeah, it's like kick ass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, they're just people. In a, that's awesome. In that's why I want to run yeah. it in GURPS because it would be Rough. brutal, brutal, right. be a short game. That'd be amazing. And, but I, I, I want to play that off as more of like a comedy mm-hmm. kind of thing. So. Yeah. Or like mis- Mystery Men. Yeah. Because nothing's funnier okay. when you actually fall off a building and die. Right. <laughs> 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 or, you know, or like you, you get oh. this band of superheroes and like there's two thugs and one of them's got a knife. Oh, fuck. What are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get stabbed. He might yeah. actually know how to use that knife because yeah. he's a thug. <laughs> right. And yeah. you're just a kid in a wetsuit. All right. So thank you there, S.B. Lloyd. Uh, let's go on to a uh, question about recording actual plays from Bruce. Bruce. Morning, sir. I mean, point and question. For new campaigns starting up, we're looking into podcasting recording sessions somewhere for people to hear. System He's so organized. System nice. will be the strange. If you haven't played a syst- uh, if you haven't played a system, uh, don't have enough people around you want to game vicariously through other gamers, or just want to hear people gaming to get you into the I want to get in some gaming too vibe. 
I think listening to actual play recordings is a nice option. It is. Since we don't have a recording studio and it's being recorded off a tablet for the purpose of taking notes and to scribe our campaign's adventure logs, I have a few questions since you've posted a few actual play recordings on the site. But Stu is actually... Let me tell you, I'll, I'll give you like a, a, quick, a quick paragraph about Stu. Stu gets obsessed about certain things. For uh, I remember when he got obsessed on, about chess, and he bought all these games on chess. Never got good at it. He, but yeah, but he bought them all and studied it. And then he <laughs> got obsessed with poker. And he bought all these games on poker and got obsessed with it. Never got good at it. Well, yeah. And then he got, he, he got obsessed with recording. Never got, got good at it. Money, so he's actually I a font of wisdom that. about all kinds of things. But that's the way Stu, Stu rolls. When he <coughs> finds uh, something, he gets unbelievably passionate about it and researches the shit out of it. So uh, yeah, at the end of this, you will get some notes from him, I'm sure. <coughs> back, back to the email. Where to find hosting for actual gameplay recordings? Is size of storage versus the amount of people uh, accessing information more important? Etc. Editing software to filter out things like coughs. Well, we don't do that. To cell phone notifications. Should I try to find a Bluetooth or USB microphone for better sound quality? And if doing character slash story recaps each episode would help listeners. Privacy issues. Besides a first name and voice, do your players have to deal with people emailing you and saying, you're playing your character wrong or trying to find them in real life in a stalker-like situation? While it's great if people like the sessions to provide some enjoyment, uh, respecting the player's private life is kind of a dick move. If you think this would make a good show bullet topic, feel free to use it. If not, give me some insight of the subject of where to look for your experience. Would be beneficial. Thanks in advance, B. P.S. On a personal note, hope you're doing okay. Be easy, man. P.S.S. If this ends up on the show, not enough antics in Savage Worlds game for the GM. Tequila shots for Bennies in Savage Worlds. Discuss. Take a drink. Except that tequila is evil. I like this plan. (laughs) That would be amazing. I'd keep fucking up. Whiskey shots. Okay. (laughs) So do you have to? Do you take a shot to spend a Benny? Is that how it works? Yes. Yes. To spend a Benny, you have to take. Yeah. The Benny's. The Benny's the shot. Okay. So once you run out of bennies, so I'd be fucking up all over the place to get so bennies. So the GM is pouring the bennies and yes. handing them out yeah. when he gives them out. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, so if the if new con allows alcohol, they, that's a great idea. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and everybody be Suddenly, for the next game. Con isn't looking so bad. You know what? You could play a West Side Story, right? And it's called Benny and the Jets. Oh. Uh, Benny and the Jets, because it's a Benny. Okay, never mind. Nerd. <laughs> Theater nerd. Da 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 you're a jet yeah. all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day um I, we did that in high school we, i played we, diesel we met you, oh. did you yeah it's a i did officer krupke that's bill's big thing hey officer krupke officer krupke you're really a square um <laughs> if you uh I would suggest. So, okay, you want to start with hardware? You want to give him a rundown on well, hardware? Well, if he's if he's running if he's recording to a tablet, I don't know. Can you hook up USB? I suppose they make yes. a device yeah. that you can hook up. Yeah. Your, um, depending on which version of iPad you have, if he's using an iPad, right? He says tablet, or so he could be tablet, using whatever. They will have an adapter because the the port where you plug it in or you plug it into your computer is actually a USB port. So what you can do is get a. a plug that'll go from there okay. to like a USB hub and you should be able to plug stuff into it and get you know like four or five and they make some really are they, decent USB is mics. It, my, 
is a is a tablet going to power it enough if it is a condenser microphone that needs 24 volt phantom power? That is a, is a very good question because that would, that's something I would be concerned about. Because yeah, that's going to eat batteries oh, in, a, yeah, well, in a big yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. I um, think if you're going to go buy the mic, I would explain to the guy that what you what you want to do, and if you have to buy a little like preamp kind of thing that you run it through that runs off a separate power source or whatever, that might be that a way to go. That starts getting more com- well, maybe. It, that, that, here, here, here would be my suggestion. Um, ideally, if you're going to be recording people talking around a table, you want to use an omnidirectional condenser microphone, at least one, two, preferably. When I record the actual plays, I use two. Right, and they're about a foot apart. Now, Bill right. uses a single microphone. That Bill has uses Bill uses a, a blue Yeti. That's blue is the manufacturer of it. And right, that it's particular a, microphone is the Yeti. Yeah, and it's a single thing, and it has a it, couple it of different is, settings. It's a it's a it's a multi pattern microphone, and I believe it is USB. It, it is, runs directly into his computer, into yeah. his laptop, into his um, crappy laptop. Right. I use a Zoom HT1, mm-hmm. which is a little digital recorder, right, with two microphones on it. That are set at angles. When you say little, how little? I mean, how the microphones are small you know, too, as well. The whole thing. Let me grab mine. Hold on. Whole thing's about yay big. You know, I'm holding up for the camera. The, the size of a of a animal crackers box. Yeah, you know, size of a sardine know, can. Yeah, um, but it's not very expensive, um, and gives really good sound, uh, and comes with an adapter. Plug it in, and then you just take the memory card out of it, stick it in a memory slot. I've I've not used it, but I've heard really good things about the Snowball, right? Um, I have not used one. I have also heard good things. Um, so, but Stu might have more. I was mentioning the Snowball, which uh, I've heard is an inexpensive USB mic that is maybe sort of good know, start. You, you have you're, if you're doing it, you have to use an Omni. Um, okay. Uh, I don't know if the Snowball is an Omni. It right. might be. I don't Fair know. Um, the, I just I got this. Like six months ago, it's Tascam DR40. It's a uh-huh. four-track recorder. Got to hold it up Mine to the camera. Exa- my, I am. I'm my oh, Zoom oh, does the right exact here. same thing. And uh, the, the nice thing about this, and the reason I got this one, is it looks like a tricorder. It does look like a tricorder. <laughs> it does. But it will. It, it has its own mics, but it also has XLR balance right. inputs on the bottom, and it and it will pull. It will let it send out phantom power, so I can use condensers with this. So I can plug two. Condenser microphones. Okay, into this. Let's, let's pretend for, for a moment that I don't know what XLR means and what phantom power means. XLR is the microphone cable. It's the one with three pins on it. Okay, right. Um, and the phantom power is, is is what powers condenser microphones. And you have to have phantom power if you're going to use a condenser microphone. Otherwise, you're using a dynamic. The nice thing about this one is you set your level and then you set it to record. Then there's a way to set it so that it records two sets of tracks. So you record. A stereo set of tracks, and then it records a second stereo set of tracks at minus 10 dB. Why is that important? Uh, in case you have uh, overs, and you, it starts peaking, and you start getting distortion, ah. you can use the second set of tracks that are quieter, so you don't have to worry about that. So you still got to edit it once you get it into that tricorder. Well, I want to talk about that slightly, because this show's about not about podcasting, it's no. about role-playing games. But, um, so, that... Anyway, uh, omnidirectional uh, dy- uh, condenser microphone is what you're going to want to use when you're recording a bunch of people sitting around a table. Done. Um, <clears throat> as far as editing goes, if you're going to start recording, there's a reason I don't edit this show. And the reason I don't edit this show is because I want to be able to put one out every week. And I know myself well enough to know I will not... First off, we, re- we have a runtime of two to three hours, Right. 90 minutes to 3 hours. That's that's what our window is. You take that 
and you multiply it by 1.5 if you're a fast editor, which I am, if you're going to edit the show. Because you have to take the whole runtime of the show, because you've got to listen to the whole goddamn thing if you're going to edit it, right? Again, it doesn't make right? any sense. And then you have to allow that you're going to have to go in and take out your ums and ahs and your coughs if you want to bother doing that. And then, boom, then you're done. But that's going to add on one and a half times, best case scenario, to your production time. Not including the time that you're sitting around playing. If you play a four-hour session, better allow six hours to edit. I would say more than that because... Well, for, for me, right? Most people, probably two to one, yeah. I would imagine. Um, and, but you're going to get faster as you, as you, the more you do it. But the thing is, you got to ask yourself, can you, can you make that time commitment weekly... Or whatever monthly, it is. Monthly, semi-monthly, or whatever it is. And consistently do that. Because and it's not fun. No, it's fucking work. Yeah. Edit, ed, audio editing is work. <clears throat> no one goes, oh, I love audio editing. I've never heard that phrase ever <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> and you won't, because it's fucking work. But, I mean, a, a lot of other podcasts edit. And they edit. some of them edit a lot, some of them edit a little. We don't edit at all. This show is done basically live tape, quote-unquote. That's why we're not invited to other podcasts, because once we're on, it takes them for fucking ever to edit out our crap. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but and that, that, that but there's a reason that we I don't edit, and that reason is I want to be able to put the show out consistently, and I know my own ability to put up with doing a bunch of bullshit editing, which is mm-hmm. not at all. Well, that does lead into the other question, which is, is he talking about where to host it and how to, uh, I mean, and are, are, are you if concerned about privacy issues? Well, I'll let, I'll let, maybe Kimmy can talk about privacy issues because men generally don't get stalked. She might be able to mention that. Yeah, I, I don't think probably for a while, like if you're doing a, a, a actual play, you're going to have to worry about that. Definitely, like, don't use last names. Don't tell everyone your whole birthday. You know, basic things. Social security numbers should not be part of the reporting. <laughs> I try to keep my family members' names out of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, stick to first names with everybody. Um, it's basically just yeah. sort of online stuff. But but even so, I get a lot of flack uh, for, for... But it's my basically my job I, on the, on the, on the, on the, the lightning rod. <laughs> but but if, if you are at all sensitive <laughs> and you get hate mail yeah you need to be aware that you're going to get hate mail not yeah. everyone's going to like you yeah, and oh, yeah. but i think that's different than like safety security yeah that, like, that is very different yeah like if you have a forum or if you have e- like show only emails obviously don't like put your real email up somewhere like get a gmail account just for the show or whatever um yeah you're going to get people who don't like what you do and they're right. going to say awful things and you just ignore them because they're assholes and don't worry about it um but yeah i i feel like you might eventually like i have had people cross the line a little bit um but it's mostly due to my cosplay stuff actually everyone's always been really cool for all the gaming stuff um and uh, and our i think that may have to do with our our listenership generally Mm -hmm. um because they are cool i mean and there's i mean people can get kind of crazy yeah but we, we don't tend to I don't know about you, but I've movies. gotten a lot of you playing your character wrong notes. Well, you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you would. You would, but, you would. But that's not <laughs> the same as them being like creepers when you show up at a con or something like that's that. True. That's true. I've never had anybody grope me at a con. 
No. No, no, no. I mean, try as you might. Try as you might. (laughs) Yeah, that would be the one thing is if you're going to start doing like live events, like if you're going to do your actual play and then go to a con and make like an actual like appearance, definitely like be a little bit more careful. Like it's it's when you get in actual proximity to people that they get scary. Yeah. Uh, There is a. There is a level of fame to being a podcaster. People recognize your name. They recognize your voice. It's, uh, it's not fame, but it's like a notoriety. Because I've, I've been in restaurants, and people have come up and said, I know you. Are you stork from that? And I'm like, yeah. It's, I recognized your voice. Yeah. We've had it happen at fair. It's not, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what else to call it. It's not fame. What, what is that? It's just a... It's a recognition. There's a thing about Inf- it. <laughs> infamy, <laughs> I guess, right? It's podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. It's podcast infamy. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the chances are... are I mean super low and so you start getting like podcasts like that are like you know thousands and thousands of listeners like it's not going to affect your life you don't no, need to no, worry no about it's, it. it's yeah. not now i wanted to to go back to editing for just one second mm-hmm. i don't edit the actual plays that i record because i'm after a particular thing and that is you're listening to a bunch of people play a game sure and part of that is the side comments the jokes and whatnot, and so I want those to be part of the recording. So I don't, I wouldn't, I don't want to edit them out. Other people want a more radio drama sort of feel to what they're doing. They're going to want to do a lot more editing. Yes, I would say if you want to do a radio drama, do a radio drama, mm-hmm. and don't play a game. That would be my suggestion because it's well. Uh, it's By not, and it's large, not, I would it's agree. Not gonna, it's not going to end up being the same. There's yeah. a group I mean, of people out there that have combined the two. But you yeah. can you can kind of try. Then you're just stealing their idea. That. And that's right. Cool. Right. And, but the thing is, right. you, you before you anything else, you need to be realistic about how much time you have and yeah. what kind of commitment you can make. Because if you're if you're going to do yeah. this, and, it, and uh, let me, SP Lloyd just said, I did a podcast on podcasting, and you can find it at angryfolk.com. Um, and I talk a lot about this somewhat in that, but. You have to be realistic about the kind of commitment you're going to make. And when you say you're going to do a schedule, a schedule is a promise to your listeners. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, and I really shouldn't talk about this over the last four months, but whatever. I'm going to anyway. Um, When you start breaking that promise, you're going to start losing listenership. Like we have. We have started losing listenership over over the last three months. But not a lot, but we have lost some. And And that's why you're training me to be the understudy. That's training me to be the understudy. But... One of the things you need to do is you need to make sure that whatever process you put together to, to do your show is something that you are going to be willing and capable of doing two, three, four years down the line every goddamn week or every right. other week or whatever it is. Don't go out, because I did this with my first podcast. Don't go balls out and think, oh, I'm going to do this awesome show. And I did a very produced, like, music and comedy yeah, thing. Yeah, it's pretty slick. songs and it... And they, and it I did 12 or what What I do? 16 episodes in like four years. Yeah, it was like once a month or something. Which it wasn't was, even once a month. No. It was like two episodes, once a month, and then four months went by and I did another episode. And then I did like three more episodes right yeah. after that. And then it was like Is that nine still out there in later. the wild? Yeah, it's out there. Ha- so you want to plug it? Angry, that's the Angry Folk Music. The Happy Jacks, wasn't no, it? Right? Angry Folk? Don't correct me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm he was there, he remembers. Angry I- Folk. Oh my god. He can't Never mind. remember. Just, he's old. <laughs> Angry Folk what? Music and Infa Inventile Comedy Show. Yes. And it is still on iTunes, I think. But look at ha, looking for the Angry Folk podcast on podcasting. That's the yeah. thing where I talk the about. The Merry Wives of Windsor were on it once. Yeah, they were, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Eric I from, can't believe you remembered. 
Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. No, not you. He remembered. Oh, he the remembered actual. the name of it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Angry folk music and industrial <laughs> comedy show. <laughs> yeah. That's great. We're, yeah. we're proud of you. I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I came up with the name myself. Yay. <laughs> uh. Getting to play from Eric in Nj. I will do that. Dear Stu and the Douche Crew. I like that. That's uh, like rhymey. Okay. It really Actually, reminds me of like an 80s cartoon, doesn't it? 80s yeah. child's cartoon. Stu hey, and Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is more directed at Stu and Stork. If it wasn't for Happy Jack's RPG podcast and being on the forums, I would not have tried things like GURPS, Dungeon World, or Traveler. I think not only should you make the commitment, but make it a priority to try games like Dungeon World and Fate. You have this resource of a bunch of wonderful listeners who can guide you through the game and a Gina. Take advantage of what you have wrought and do this. On to the question. Well, wait a minute. Let me just pause right there. This isn't a matter of not wanting to play these games. It's all we can do to play the games we I'm already have there, scheduled. Now, and, and to be fair, I did play a Fate game at the last con. So we're trying. So I'm working my way there, but it's just, this is not like we're saying, oh, uh, no, no, we're above that. It's not that. We're, we're trying to get to this. It's, it's on our list of things to do between podcasting and work and divorcing. and Yeah, just so everyone knows, okay, you've sold me on Dungeon World. Fucking, yeah. fucking cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cut it out too. We Stop got now. it. We okay. got it. The next time it's mentioned, I'm going I'm to sour on it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Dungeon World's so like paying these people. And then, embargo on. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking guarantee it. All right. <laughs> on to a question. I have two players leaving my game to do due to real world stuff, like moving out of state. We have replacement players, but I'm having trouble figuring out how to best integrate them into the game. Part of me just wants to hand wave the thing, have a three months later sort of vibe, and I have the whole uh, and and have the whole transition happen off stage. Any suggestions here? As always, keep up the good work, Eric. Uh, Eric from NJ on the forums. I think I'd be Joyzy. Well, yeah, but but I don't want to say that because that's not mm. actually his name. If I say Eric from New Jersey, that's not his. Actual, yeah. Where they to search for him? Yeah, right. Eric and Brown try to MJ. hunt him down like a dog. We may have to edit that out then. <laughs> <laughs> Go! Don't. Uh, All right, Chrome. I don't. I I I don't mind doing the hand waving thing. Yeah. I've done it. It drives the drives some players crazy. crazy. Yeah. I don't mind doing it. I guess it's kind of up to the player, isn't it? I, it's. I, I think it's just situational. It's. You know, some groups, some players are going to be like, yeah, cool, whatever. Sit, sit down and play. When, the, it, when you bring new players in, have them make characters that already have backgrounds that are tied to existing players in the game. Yeah. Like, oh, that's my cousin Steve. Oh, hey, Steve, how's it yeah. going? What are you doing here on Mars? Yeah. Right? Or, or pull an NPC that you've already been by, that they've already met somewhere. And have them write them up, yeah. Yeah, and have yeah. them write them up. I, I personally prefer, I mean, the hand-waving thing is by far the easiest thing. Yeah. Because um, then everybody kind of gets to make up new little backstories to be right. friends or whatever. But I always prefer having it be something like in the moment. Yeah. Like having like a backstory. Like, And you may do a little bit of hand-waving, but if they come in and they're like, this was the guard who we saved his life, you know, two adventures ago, and now he's back, and he, he's pledged himself to us because we saved his life. And, I mean, there's there's cool things you can do with that. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the danger in... Just like having everyone meet is twofold. One, you're going to spend time on it. If that's if that's enjoyable to your group, rock on. Yeah. Have a good time. 
The other danger, however, is when you're going to have one player's like, I have no family. I don't talk to people. <laughs> I will sit over here in the corner. It's like, Everybody's dead. Yeah. yeah. And and it's like, okay, dude, but it's going to be real hard to get you into the game right. at that point. So, you know, kind of going... That's when you pick, and it's his long-lost brother who he thought was dead. And he has no fucking choice but to, like, have some sort of interaction. Or just mean, though. Okay, the rest of the party is going off to the dungeon, and you're not, so... Uh, make you a new sit character. there and be quiet. Yeah. No, make a new character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, no, I think, everybody can't be dead. I, I think <laughs> what I would... Where I would go with this is kind of like we've kind of gravitated to when we make characters in the beginning is here's what's going on. Make somebody who would get involved in that. Yeah. yeah. Here's oh, what's going sure. on in the game. Yeah. Here's the group of people. Make someone who would get involved and, yeah. and be part of that. Our favorite min-maxer from Chicago was the yeah. guy who sent the email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know... That's, just, you know. that's a very good point. I was thinking that from like a traveler point of view, too. If you could try to integrate this person into at least one or two other people's backstories so that they have a reason to want to keep this guy alive or keep him around, or at least there's recognition like they can vouch for him, yeah. all the better. But uh, that's not a prerequisite. Making sure that they fit into the adventure works well. And then, of course, rescuing the prisoner from the jail cell is always a good way to bring people in. Right? Yeah. yeah. The the uh, That reminds me, uh, speaking of integrating new players in, uh, the first uh, installment of Bill's Star Wars Traveler actual play is up. It went up today at like oh. two uh, two p.m. Great Pacific time. So that's waiting. Wednesday, the second one will go up, and we just did the third game. That was our third session, wasn't it? Yeah, we yeah. just did the third session. Stuff happened. Uh, spoiler: I'm making a new character. <laughs> Oops! <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you said that. Well, right. well, well, I think I meant I may have mentioned it the last. I don't think so. Well, whatever. You're going to have to edit that out. I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> he posted pictures on Facebook. Why. Did he? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah there's pictures of the minis. On oh, the yeah. But um, that's up. Uh, so there. And I, it's, have we'll have to, we have to figure out how you're going to integrate you into the next game. Bill and I have been talking. We've been talking. Well, I see. There you go. That's, I mean, that's it, a real-life example. It's impossible to make that decision until I have the character because... I don't know what the character's going right, to be until I trash making the character. Right. right? Yeah. So, uh, but I, I have my stats. I just need to sit down and roll up the character. I, I have a what I'm aiming for. So, learning from mistakes and a shameless plug from Munt Jack. It's my turn. Do it, dear happiest of Jacks. Munt Jack here. Long time no email. Recently, while no, search Munt Jack was in my GURPS online GURPS game. He was one of the players yep. in my online GURPS. Recently, while searching through essay prompts for my teaching job, I came across one that asked students to discuss the important lessons learned through the mistakes they have made. It got me thinking about my own mistakes as a GM and a player in RPGs. I think it might be fun for everyone on the show to share one thing they've learned from a major mistake they've made while GMing and or playing an RPG. Also, a number of people from the Happy Jacks community have helped me with my recent launch of a podcast, Shadowvane. Just thought I'd be completely shameless and mention it here at the end of my email. It's a radio drama of the horror variety, and it features, turning the page, uh, some familiar community voices. Check it out if you're so inclined by searching Shadowvane Podcast on iTunes or going to shadowvane.net. Thanks for all the great episodes. Keep them coming. 
Sincerely, Muntjack. P.S. Useless Trivia Man may not have mentioned it in his recent email, but I may have accidentally broken his Grindhouse, Grindhouse Arena game a bit by leading a paladin revolt in protest of all the needless <laughs> killing. <laughs> nice. I guess that's what he gets for putting in so many fucking paladins against monster PCs. Don't worry. I may have pissed a lot of players off, but eventually half the paladins fell into one of the many grinders and were turned into holy goo. Wow. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Um. So I'm definitely going to go seek out his podcast and listen. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds cool. But as to uh, things we've learned, single, okay. single worst mistake you've made as a GM, go. Um, <laughs> GM PC. <gasps> you did that? I was 17. Oh. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, vindictive GM. Really? Yeah. Right, yeah. I said no to a player during combat. I just they were. They came up with this awesome idea that was going to kill my big boss in, like, one move. And I was oh, like... Oh, you bad girl! No! You can't do that! No! <laughs> and then I sat there for a second and I was like, son of a bitch. Okay, yes. All right. You can do that. Sorry, I said no. I, go ahead. <laughs> oh, so that was, you that was the character I corrected okay, myself, right. but it was like, literally, I was literally like, no, you can't do that. That's not the same. You can't. Not, well, see, you I just, felt like it was a big was, mistake. Okay. Just, that was the character speaking. I'm I'm like, no, you can't do that to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, just and it, it was one of those moments that you like look around the table and you suddenly were like, that, that was not the right call. That was not the right call for this game, and it and it picked back up. But so uh, everyone suddenly starts tweeting and like, guess what? Kimmy just did. Kimmy just said no. Sandbox Queen said no. I think I think my. At least my biggest regret in something that I did in the game was in the GURP, uh, in the Eldemy game when it was still in D and D Fourth Edition, uh, which was playing D and D Fourth Edition. No, uh, <laughs> it was it was when uh, Bruce went back in time and figured out a way to communicate with a guy that you guys shouldn't have been able to communicate with, but he figured out a loophole and I let it happen, mm-hmm. and it basically changed the entire course of history so when you guys came back to your present day right everything was completely different right and then everyone freaked out suddenly everyone's backstory is irrelevant now because all of their families <laughs> never existed yeah, it was the butterfly effect exactly yeah. my regret from it is letting it get undone I think uh, I should have. I should have. I should have. You should have stood on it. Yes, should have stood on it. Yeah, that is not, that's. I, I agree. I, in recent memory, that's the thing where I look back at it and I go, I just should have kept going, and I instead of doing that, I acquiesce to the few players who are like, "Put my backstory." Put my backstory. Back. <laughs> so rewrite it. Write something new. <laughs> well, you can't. You don't know. You don't. It, there is no backstory for your character. Anymore. Was I one of those players? No. Okay. No, uh, there, that, yeah. no you weren't in the game then. Oh, that was before. No, I was totally in the game at that point. Yeah, you were. You were in the game. That yeah. was like, we did the whole yeah. time travel thing, and we right. were all like arguing at one point. Like, how does time travel really work? Right. That was a very interesting discussion. Yes. But that, that so, that, I didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I can I dig that. Yeah, we can do yeah. it. We learn through battle scars. We yes. do. Uh, quick aside. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Pathfinder Facebook group this week, there was a discussion, and I'm rather expecting to get... Th- thoroughly flamed for it. Excellent. Um, I'm rather looking forward to it. Uh, The question at hand, though, was the the GM asked, in the middle of a game, in the middle of a combat with the big bad, one of the player characters cast Dominate, and I rolled a one on the the big bad saving throw. What do I do? 
and he was getting all kinds of advice like, oh, you fudged the die roll or, you know, blah, blah, you know, change the, you know. And I went, no. 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 You set the parameters for this encounter. You fucking stand on it. Yeah. You eat it. And you go on. Yeah. You know. There's always another big bad. And the players got an awesome win. I mean, yeah, they, they right. like and the players what, what deserve succeed? that win. I think it takes me to back to my the my biggest sin as a as a young GM, which was being vindictive. Like when they rolled something awesome, like I would do a Kimmy. No. No, yeah. that's no you no, no you can't do that. That's now called no. doing a Kimmy. <laughs> no, because she corrected herself and I actually I actually escalated it point after point after point. That just sounds dirty. The reason I bring this up is that that was mm. another thing that I did that I considered to be a mistake. And that is, I would do things, fudge a die roll or something, in the character's favor because I thought it made for a better story than what the dice indicated would happen. More recently, I have evolved and come to the realization that I don't own the story. It's mm-hmm. ours collectively. And I don't have the right, as the GM, to dictate where it goes. I have all kinds of right to set it up and contribute to it, the things that are in my domain as the GM, but I do not have the right to contr- to dictate where it goes. I'd like to chase my answer to uh, not following my own advice. And when was that? <laughs> <laughs> Since we started the podcast. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Munt Jack. Yeah, I'm gonna do a. Uh, I'm gonna do a uh, online GURPS reunion game at some point. I'm gonna nice. talk to Zoomfarg about it. And Sweet, revisiting same characters like you know maybe like five years later or something like that. GURPS, the Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, adding local color and work safe gaming horror story from CNC. Uh, wait, wait a minute. I read this and it's like I'm suddenly like I'm reading like a safety program. It's a local working gaming saving program. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Carry on. I don't know. Uh, to Stu, Stork, C.A. Dave, Tyler, Kimmy, Jib, Bill, and the rest of the good, albeit drunken people, and Happy Jack's RPG. <laughs> I realize I didn't label the previous email with my name. My name is Chris, and I thank you for your time. Oh, okay, thank you. I didn't read far enough into that to see where your name was. Um, I have a question for Happy Jackers. One, how do you adapt local color without writing a textbook for the players to ignore? <laughs> you know what? You, You've been jamming for a while. Yeah. You, you absolutely <laughs> nailed my problem right there. I think the, I started to set up a game and I sent Stu a novel and Stu's like, are you kidding I'm me? I'm not going to read this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not reading this. And I'm like, but... I'm a bad player. But, but it's I, interesting. But I wrote it. <laughs> but it's, it's cool. There. But I yep. wrote it and it's awesome. I'm <laughs> God. Read my goddamn Bible. <laughs> this was awesome. <laughs> This is totally awesome. You need to read this. I'm you need to read my fanfic. Fuck you. I'm not reading it. <laughs> I've got Harry Potter and he's having an affair with Snape. That's exactly <laughs> that's awesome. I sent Stu this, this, like, I sent Stu this, I know, it wasn't what? bad. It was like six pages. And Stu sent back, I'm not reading this. <laughs> I did. It was awesome. <laughs> it was totally awesome. I did. Um, recently... Oh, wait. Players to ignore. Uh, One of my favorite things is to take something local and adapt it into your game. Recently, I just finished running a game where I mix Harry Potter, (laughs) Porky's, oh God, and the the province of Newfoundland into the kingdom of frat wizards and the Atlantis analog for my game world. 
Uh, we resolved the feuding fraternities by having the mother of all keggers, and the heroes were the last people standing. Uh, I want to hear what you guys have done in similar bent, uh, and more importantly, how much is too much? Let's do that first, and then I'll read the horror story. Uh, whatever you think is, uh, is, is, is enough, cut it by three quarters. Well, it's, and that will probably be about right. It needs to be about a paragraph because well, your players will not read more. He's than talking that. about introducing flavor in game, yeah, mm-hmm. rather than presenting to the players as the information dump. stuff to read. Uh, right, I, here's full work. I will offer two suggestions. One is write whatever you feel like you need to, so you have a, a firm grip on your world. Yep. Don't worry about things that don't matter right now. Um, and. Don't give that to your players. Yep. Keep that for yourself. Yeah. Dribble bits and pieces of it, sprinkle them over the game, so that they pick these things up as they go. Like the Lowry's. Other, yeah. The other thing is, when they come up with something that you didn't put into your you know, thesis about the game, have them write it. Yeah. Have, them, have them do it. Yeah. You know, when they go, well, uh, I'm a dwarf, you know, it's like, cool, tell me all about dwarfs. Yeah. Well, and I also think, like, letting them explore. Like, think of it like when you take kids to, you know, a new place. Like, you can sit there and describe it to them as much as you'd like. That's not going to be effective. Yeah, and and, taking them and letting them explore. So you say, okay, you're in a room. It's kind of dark. There's, you know, just, like, a couple basic things. And let them say, okay, I go over to the bookshelf. What's on the bookshelf? Like, have them. Like, you can paint that stuff in at, at their pace. Like as they as they go, and I think then you'll have a lot more. Ties it exactly what I was just going to say, Kimmy, which is only give them the information they ask for. Yeah. Uh, if they say, "Do we know this person? Is this person important in the city?" Now you can launch into why this guy's or how this guy's related to the mayor. But until they ask for it, don't tell them. The, until think, they ask you what this town square looks like, don't tell them. I think he he hit on the best way to give the players color. For, for a local culture, and that is to show it to them rather than tell it to them. Right. Definitely, like and a that, movie. But exactly. Uh, in the in the L five R game, when I when it was like, okay, you guys are now in charge of this area. Oh, by the way, the big brewing competition is coming up between all of the different all the different villages. <laughs> so you got to in, introduce all the different villages and how and they each mm-hmm. brought their things, and you got to see the sort of the tradition of this place without. Saying here, read this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just there. Presented. But you had already worked all that up. Yeah, right. But he didn't yeah. tell but us I, about it. But like I didn't we... tell you guys about yeah. it. Yeah, I showed it to you. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's the best way to do it. Yeah. I I think absolutely. Find some. Get some little idiosyncratic. 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 What was that other word earlier? Was that, p- that was the name of the Surgeon? thing that they landed on the thing. So Prem- premises? Prem- yeah. No, no. no. Prem- Prem- it's a name, so it's okay if you say names wrong. Idiosyncratic. Uh, <laughs> like, I think it our turns it's idiot-syncratic. Find some weird thing <laughs> about the culture and showcase it. Yeah. Some tradition that they have. You, yeah. know, you, you go into a restaurant and there's like, you know, a shoe stapled to the to the ceiling upside down. What the fuck's that mean? Why? Oh yeah, you've been to like three different taverns and they have a shoe up. I want to ask someone about that. Or yeah. now you get to right, right. explain. Now you get to talk about it. And, and yeah. Just weave it into the game. Don't yes. don't give them a, a you know your, your doctoral thesis 
at the beginning of the game because as awesome as that is, and as much as we like writing those, because I do, I love writing those, and they're but I keep va- that it's a valuable myself. thing to do for yourself. It is, yes. yeah. But the players, I'm not going to read this. And you might, you might, yeah, say. you might get some dick player who's going to send you an email saying, "I'm not reading." Not this. a dick at all. <laughs> it was an absolute eye opener. He's like, "You know what? Why should I do? You're absolutely right." Well, and the thing is, is if it's all ha- if it's happening in real time while they're all playing, they're all getting the same information. From right. It. Exactly. If you send the same page of information to six different people and they're reading it on their own, you're going to get six different takes on that. Or, sure. or none right. at all. Or but, none at all if they yeah. don't bother to read it. But right. So I feel like like having it all happening at the same time increases buy-in, and it also increases the 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 parallel, like uh, the pluralism of the world. It's all the same to them. Right. Like they're all thinking of it in the same context, at least more so than if they're all figuring it out on their own. Right. Also, let the players feel like they're helping, or they've created it on their own, Together. rather than you actually having sent out this novel ahead of time, and they're like, right. "Oh, great!" Right. It's we you have know, no control anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. the group storing te- storytelling aspect yeah. of it, and even having it, even if it's the exact same thing that you would have written, like the fact that everybody's there together increases buy-in. Yes. Uh, can someone else read? On. Someone else read that because I'm going to go check I the will. bandwidth because I've just got a message about that. So. Yeah, I will. You love safe for work horror stories, so here's mine. We love safe for work horror stories. Yeah, uh, we love horror stories. We, love horror, yeah, we, don't, want, we don't dislike them. No, yeah, no, those are no, we don't like those. Are creepy and we don't like them. Uh, the game was D and D three point five. I was playing a white cobalt ranger. I had already developed gliding wings and used a combination of boots of levitation and a decanter of endless water strapped to my back for propulsion. Naturally, I had aviator goggles. Nice. I pride myself on using the decanter of endless water in creative ways. It was used to flush out umber hulks, spray characters to disrupt spellcasting, and that just that's just off the top of my head. My goal was trying to become a real dragon in some way, shape, or form. I didn't expect it anytime soon, but it gave me a goal and a career path in the long run. I love that becoming a real dragon is a career path. I'm going to be a real dragon when <laughs> I grow awesome. up. Because they're cobalts, like right? Yeah. They're kind of little lizards anyway. Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, are. No, yeah. They're like little dragonets. Dragonets. Totally. <laughs> but it's just cool uh, that he, he called it a career path. I like that. Yeah. That's cool. When I grow uh, up, I'm going to be a real dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there was another cobalt psychic warrior in the party that was a showboat. He was a feisty little thing with a dagger of wounding that was absolutely fearless. At the low to mid levels, it was fun to play. His character was a black cobalt, and an ongoing joke was ebony and ivory. Blazing Saddles was regularly quoted. Then about ninth level, the game went from fun to irritating. His character died in a moment of heroism, and then the GM decided... They decided to have him reborn as a unique dragon. Uh, I was less than impressed as it completely undercut my own story. While I played along for a bit, I felt betrayed, and it was never the same. Have you ever had similar issues from your own, and was that a dickish thing to do? How would or did you handle it? I wouldn't say... I mean, I don't think the GM probably meant it to be a dickish thing. In some ways, it's kind of a cool tie-in to your backstory and kind of your goals. I could see why you would definitely feel... Undercut. Undercut, yeah, for sure. Like, but I I mean, it may have just been like a swing and a miss. Like, he was trying to continue the connection between your two characters. And... But, and... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, yes, I've had this happen. But I was the dick player. 
but it wasn't it wasn't something that I did on purpose. It's just because I'm a kind of a dynamic player and would show up every night and every week we played. And so my character ended up being the focus of a lot of the the, the, co- uh-huh. the quests. So when cool things happen, they happen to me because I didn't skip a bunch of episodes. I didn't have a girlfriend, so I didn't, you know... Like, <laughs> so these people were being punished for having a life, and I understood, like... <laughs> long story short, I ended up with, like, cool things to happen. A lot of these guys got <clears throat> pissed. They're like, how come you guys aren't exploring my backstory? It's like, well, we're caught up in his. We'll, you know. And at some point, he had to discuss it. He said, I mean, okay, just sort of, like, just wrapping up your story or whatever so we can explore some of their other... I'm like, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. Up to that point, I had no idea that it was being that it was a problem. So I can I'm, I can understand from the other side of the table, from the other the other character's point of view. He's like he got caught up in how cool his character is. He got caught up in the story. The GM got caught up in it, and they probably completely missed the fact that it was his character's backstory to start with. Yeah, Maybe. I don't think they set out to sabotage his backstory. I I I would be inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt on that point, um, but it's still and it's still irritating, and. I can totally see why he would feel undercut by that. Yeah. I I totally get that. Well, and isn't a, wouldn't a unique dragon be like way overpowered anyway? Like yeah, the power group there is like from a yeah from a recommendation to the GM is that a character dying and re-be- re- being reborn should never be a trade up. Yeah. No. Well, well, and it, I mean, we did a reincarnation yeah. thing back in the day. It was like you, you, if you were if you couldn't afford the was it the reanimate or the, the reanimate was the cheap one reincarnate because you come back as anything. Uh, right? There was a table that you rolled um, on, or we came up with crap. one. But that's different though. There's a mechanic to that. It's not the GM just saying. Sometimes people hey, it up. yeah, you can, but then it's not personal. Right. Like it's not like that's betraying true. his backstory. It's like, hey, I rolled really well on this cool table. Very good. And it's like, hey, good job. It's Very not the GM saying. You're now what he has been working to be <laughs> for this whole time. Right. You're screwed. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, there definitely can be those things that kind of ruin ruin a story. I mean, when we did, um, I really liked the the Eldemy game. Mm-hmm. Had a great time, but it started getting hard, like, as um, D&D started, because I had a, a priestess of the Raven Queen. I'd come up with all this cool stuff. But slowly as we played, eventually we switched to GURPS, so it was switched it a little bit anyway. Right. But as we were playing 5th edition, like more and more stuff was coming out, and my version of Fourth the Raven edition. Queen that I had made up like wasn't fitting in with some of those right. spells <clears throat> and stuff like that, so that was a little bit like disappointing. It wasn't any uh, like a dick move like in your story, but it definitely can start having like yeah. a negative effect, even if you really are enjoying the game and the people. Takes the wind out of your sails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a third one here. My third question is how. Uh, oh, uh, how did we handle it? Uh, drinking. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. My third question is how have you used or seen creative use of magic items? It's one of my favorite things to see at the table. What systems support? What systems support such usage more than others? Mm. Oh, I know what he's saying. I know what he's saying. P.S. Take a drink while uttering arcane drinking cheers. I like that. Uh, I played. This is the same game where my game, my character was the focus. My my character was cursed that he couldn't hold any sword for too long, and at some point he got a demon stormbringer esque kind of sword. And I we had a we had a uh, we had a battle, and I left my sword in the skull of something, and I was walked up to the big bad, and they they were basically saying, "You have to approach him unarmed." I'm like, Fine, I don't have any weaponry. I have no weaponry on me. 
So I go out to this guy, we get in an argument, and finally he attacks me, and the sword teleports into my hand. And I miss, and I used, uh, knowing full well that this, that the sword couldn't leave me, and I couldn't leave the sword, I figured at some point, the GM's not going to let me attack this guy, or not going to let the, it, it, the sword's going to have to do something. I didn't know what. So I let the sword, I let the GM come up with an idea of the way the sword was going. He was, he was looking at me like a nut. Like, I'm like, you left the thing like, like four rooms away. I'm like, yep, I did. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Um, and so he ended up he ended up pulling that Deus Machina out of there. The sword teleports in my hand, and we had a big combat. Um, is that a creative use of a, of a magic weapon? It was a creative it's magic a creative weapon story, he came up with. It's a creative story element, certainly. I, I love coming. I love. I love what he says. But you actually have like uh, he's got what is this? This uh, this flask of never-ending waters and never the decanter of endless yeah. water yeah. Yeah, I, love, I love coming up with creative uses for something that might just be a junk magic item yeah oh yeah um, personally I like real magic items in games to have names and stories to them you know um, because if it's really magic it's probably fairly rare really even a plus one sword should have well, a story to it the way I do, I deal with like if it doesn't have a power to it, it's not actually magical. Just a well-made it's weapon. It's just really good. Yeah. Um, but if it has a power, then it's really magical. It now has a name. It now has a story to it. It might have a name and a story and not even be magical. Look, Vikings and and frontiersmen used to name their weapons all the time. Oh yeah. It, it still happens. In fact, I think people name their cars. Yeah. It, it doesn't even have to be magical. It yeah. just has to be something that they're so a, a legendary car. A legendary rifle, a legendary right. sword, gets handed down and carried on. The story carries on. Exactly. Yeah. And if you have one of these things, there's probably going to be a gazillion people who want to take it away from you. Very good. Because you took it away from somebody. So, you know. Um, but that's, you know, the way I, I like to use magic items in the game. is I like to, for them to have a point yeah. and a meaning yeah. to them. I'd say you probably already know. Uh, okay, sorry, go ahead. I was just to say, back in the day, we used to say that anything under plus three was not really a magical weapon. It was just a well-made right. item, well-crafted, uh, Damascus steel, well-balanced, that kind of thing. And a well-made, well-balanced weapon is basically a magical weapon. I mean, there's a there's a, a couple of Viking swords that were made by yeah. a certain Viking sword maker. Yeah, the Elfbert sword. Yes, and there were copies of them even made back back then, in the day. Back in the day. And they were they were well balanced. They were basically high tension carbide steel. They were basically Damascus steel that these guys used. And they were they the the person who made them knew enough to actually inscribe his name on them. They were famous. They had they had stories yes. written about them. Yep. On the and then enough so that in the time that they were made, they were copied. Now that kind of thing would happen in my world. Uh, we're talking AD and D back in the day, yeah. and even still should happen now. And anything under plus three is just a well made weapon, a well crafted weapon. It could even be. Uh, it could be anything a blance a pistol a, uh, yeah. a sword a dagger it's just well well it's well crafted by a well craftsman after plus three we started describing legendary qualities to right. it and usually uh, with the, you, you would have like after plus three you, you could get like an ability attached to it as well like, uh, wounding or right. uh, it got an extra dive damage and that's what made it magical yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, as you know like Pathfinder D&D 3.5 are great, great systems for magical items and using them in creative ways. Because usually you have a really great description of the item like in the handbook or the GM gives you or something like that. And then it's kind of like, you know, all bets are off. Like, once you know what the item does, like, your limit is your imagination what you can do with it. Right. So, um... Yeah, I, I sat at uh, GameCon 
with two guys. One was a Pathfinder guy, and the other guy was a 3-5 guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two of them had this conversation about the interplay of magic items and spells and creative ways things got used in weird situations. Yeah. And it really is. The, 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 the very, very similar systems, and they basically were speaking exactly the same language. Yeah. It's like they're speaking different dialects of the same language. Yeah. But they would... So, oh yeah, when you use this spell and with this combination of this and that, and like, oh, that's really odd. And, and they sat and traded stories for uh, several hours, and it was fascinating. Yeah. Well, you have and your famous story about GURPS, too, with the levitation spell. That was an abuse of a spell. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an instant kill, because uh, someone had figured out if you use apportation, you set, it's a set and forget spell. It goes... You set something in a direction, and then you don't have to concentrate on it anymore. That whatever, It just goes that way for one minute. It moves at one meter per second for a minute. So you apportate someone up. 60 meters. And then you just walk away, and they fall 60 meters when the spell runs out yeah. and die. Mm-hmm. Falling so damage in GURPS is, it uh, is a bitch. Is real. <laughs> <laughs> um, go ahead about, have, you ever, have you ever used a magic item or an item creatively? No. <laughs> I'm trying to reset Stoke. the network connection. <laughs> we d- we've, in our Pirate Pathfinder game, we did a bunch of stuff, and I'm trying to think of like a specific example. Um, there's something with like rope, like magic rope. Like We had magic rope for the ship. Like It's one of the things that we got. And we ended up using it in combat somehow. I don't remember exactly how it worked, because we haven't played that game in ever. But... I, I I just I really am fond because I I mean I've played a lot of systems and I work with with systems a lot but it always seems to be Pathfinder or D and D I don't know why it just lends itself very well to creative uses they do I Especially think magic items in in D twenty systems are more ubiquitous yeah in the system um, and what just I, a general description so you you yeah. just you need to do something with it yeah. the game also assumes that at you know, level N, you're going to have so many magic items and right. so much stuff. Yeah, that bothers me. Um, it may also be I just that those tend to be the systems that we play fantasy in more. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could make that claim. Oh, you can. Oh, okay. I play fantasy in all kinds of things. And, well, you know, yeah, but, but I, I, I think like if I'm gonna p- play like a sci-fi game, I'm not gonna pick a D20 system most of the time. Hmm. Fair. <laughs> um, one thing I. I more than magic items, I like to see creative uses of spells. Mm-hmm. In, in I run a Pathfinder game we're playing tomorrow, and uh, they're pirates. Yeah, or they they want to be pirates. They, they want to be. Pirates. They haven't made it to being pirates Aww. yet, but they want to be. Yeah. And um, it's very. Fun. They had a problem in that they were at sea on a ship, and somebody, an enemy, did a thing that caused the hull of the ship to start to rot. Oh. So there's this big gaping hole forming in that's the hull. And that's probably going to be a bad thing when you're at sea. It's yeah. you're probably not going to yeah. go well for you. No. And uh, one of the player characters used a wall of force spells to seal the hole. Awesome. They, Good use. Um, you know, and while they, they managed repairs and whatnot, and I was like, that is totally cool. Yeah. I dig it. Mm-hmm. I And even if somebody wants to use a spell that's not necessarily the way it was written... Mm-hmm. If it fits what's going on in the story, I'm all for it. You know what? I'm I'm the same way too. I love seeing, I love encouraging creativity in the players, whether it's with a magic item or a spell or even situational. It's like, what if, can I dig my dagger in and stand on it and reach it? 
Yeah. All right. Could happen. Can you make a roll to see if the dagger breaks? No. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Why, why not? If it's gonna, if it's not gonna completely mess up your story, you know, and it's a really cool idea, why not try it? You yeah. know. Otherwise, give it a roll and see what right. happens. But uh, unless you say no, and then you're like, wait, right. no, yes, never mind. Wait. I'm sorry, I said no. Yes, that will Follow work. Follow my own advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All yes, right. Next and, one. Yes, and. Next one is uh, my favorite villains from Fire Greg. I have to read this because well, it's Fire Greg and Long. Hey crew, Fire Greg again. I'm listening to episode 12, 8, and someone asked about clue dropping for villains. I like to think they have a great talent for running villains. I would give any tips or advice to a DM, GM. Uh, It would uh, be to not drop clues. Mystery and suspense is best experienced in the lack of any concrete proof. Only when they don't know any details will they crave those details. I'm a big fan of Whedon's suspense where shit hits the fan, but it's never the known bad guy who's truly responsible. Sometimes it's someone completely licked over by the party themselves. I want to share my three favorite villains I played for my groups. First, take a drink. I'm halfway through a 26ers of Weiser's Deluxe, so bear with me. I don't even know what that is. Weiser? It might be Budweiser. No? Weiser? 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 We're just terrible I, I with names no today. I don't know. It's a thing. Villain number and one. There's, and it's there's 26 of them. Villain number one, Mr. Dead Eyes. And the jolly good wife, Mrs. Dahmer. Well, the name like Dahmer, how could anything go I'm, wrong? I'm, right? Already going bad. <laughs> the party used a tea room slash hotel as their base of ops for one adventure, which was run by the mayor's older sister. She was a jolly type who invited the party to eat in the kitchen so she could open up and properly gossip about her sister-in-law as that uh, and the click of people. She would bustle about the kitchen, stir soup, slice roasts, knead breads while simultaneously ordering her waiters about and serve them plates stacked with sweet pork, sausages, and bacon and sauced eggs, pancakes, or bowels of fruits and lettuce. I'm Well, he was going on and on with bacon and sauced eggs. I figured it might have been spiced bowels, but yes, it's supposed to be bowls of fruits <laughs> and lettuces for the vegetarian drood. <laughs> Oh my. The party was trying to find a missing party member and would discuss their latest run in with the strange, emotionless assassin who'd been hunting their. haunting their investigation. Yes. It wasn't until an unfortunate moment when one party member walked in on dead eyes in the kitchen with the good wife and the truth would soon be learned. Attempting to protect the good wife from the assassin, the party member was struck from behind with a heavy clay jar. Over breakfast the next morning, they discussed another missing member when one member <laughs> tried to help Goodwife with a difficult package in the cold room. There, hanging from a meat hook, was the naked, obviously dead, partially butchered, half-elf party member. Oh, dear. <coughs> oh, dear husband really should have finished this chore at night. There's no telling who might walk in here. One player actually had to leave the room to vomit. <laughs> she was my cannibal psycho- sociopath. I want Not the player, I'm assuming, the... Mrs. Goodwife was the cannibal sociopath. I want to point out that this player had asked to die so he could bring in a new character. I simply made it epic and memorable. That's very cool. I was going to say, how did the person feel about having their character butchered? (laughs) (laughs) But that's awesome. That's definitely an epic and very cool way to die. And they served everything with fava beads. (laughs) So, how are you digging the game there, Kibble? (laughs) Yeah. You probably need a drink at this point. Villain number two was actually a huge ripoff of Zestrazi? Zestrazi. This, I don't I don't know. Know. this might be an 
I don't, I don't uh, know. Z-A-S-T-R-A-Z-Z-I. Anybody out there in Google world, you can look it up. The master criminal who really didn't ever do much evil himself, so much as he would manipulate his followers and investigators into killing each other. His only real talent was talking about himself. All of, the, <laughs> all of my groups loved to hate him and couldn't wait to see what scheme he could attempt next. I stole him from a short stage play I performed in class for my high school grade 12 drama final. Um, you should like the play. The original playwright has him sexually molest an innocent woman on a park bench in broad daylight without laying a finger on her. He only spoke his actions to her, and it was his in his own imagination which brought her to climax. What? This was high school, twelfth grade drama. <laughs> you do that at fucking high school. Where, where did you go to high school, dude? Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the Zolta. <laughs> Um, don't mess with the Zolta. Um, Zohan. 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 Don't mess with the Zohan. Zohan. Don't mess with the Zohan. He's yeah. good. He's yeah. good. Sony Guts. Yes. So, Zastrozzi is my mustachioed narcissist, and he deserves a drink. Fellow number three is the best. One party came through town and saved <coughs> saved most of the peasants for one of Zastrozzi's schemes, but the bad guy got away again. While the peasants were mourning their dead, the rogue made some smart-ass comment like, at least no one important died. A baker whose young daughter was among the dead took this personally. For the next five sessions, the party had a regular run-ins with Zastrosi, only to have him laugh at his own failure and escape with a flourish of his cape. Then, during one run-in, they noticed he didn't laugh so much, and he was missing a finger. <laughs> Two run-ins after that, Zastrosi was very nervous, almost paranoid. His left ear was missing, and his, his mustachios had been ripped off. His attitude was more focused. He became angry more easily and waited till the last possible moment before actually escaping. In their last adventure with Zastrosi, his arm was in a sling and he wore an eye bandage. He failed to escape and in his last moments, choking on his own bloody... Justice is not without her irony. Thank you, my friends. You've saved me. This totally threw the party for a loop. They They based their ops on that original town. They based their ops in that original town. The peasants were grateful for having such powerful and kind benefactors. For the next couple of years, in-game, they had more assassination attempts on their lives than Inspector Clouseau could imagine. <laughs> Keto? Hmm. They learned eventually that there was that a main bad guy. <laughs> Did you have dog bat? Uh. I love those. They learned eventually that there was a main bad guy who was throwing every monster and mercenary he could at them. He or she didn't seem to have a plan for evil beyond their destruction. Then, when I was going to wind down the campaign for a final finish, the party discovers a buried castle not far from their home. They delve, they battle, and they solve puzzles and traps all the way into the deepest cavern where they finally burst into a room of summoned demons and barely managed to survive. In the aftermath, they find a body of the baker on a ritual slab. His personal journal listed and detailed 90% of the encounters for their last three years, in-game, as he had plotted to have them killed. That's awesome. He had sacrificed his own life to summon what he believed would finally destroy the callous and uncaring heroes who had figuratively spit on his daughter's grave. He had... He had never poisoned them, though. They ate from his bakery because that might hurt an innocent, and he couldn't bear to be responsible for that. He was a good guy who just hated the players. That is amazing. That's, That's awesome. Cool. Amazing. That is, a, that is a metric fuck ton of win. Yeah. Right there. Oh, my God. That is such a mind fuck for the players. And I what a way to it. end a game, right? Yeah. You're at the end, it's like, yeah. the 
Baker did it. After well, all was, of this, and it was because of you. you. It was you. You, you yeah, like the players, you were like we're a dick. Because you were a murder hobo. Was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have another drink and another one and one for more for good measure. I hope you're enjoying and you're grateful for your SoCal weather. I'm suffering at minus 38 Celsius average. Why is is there a dash in front of the the (laughs) temperature? I think it's it's a typo. Okay. (laughs) Uh, 38 degrees is cold. (laughs) With no hope for daylight till spring. Chimo, my friends. Fire Greg, RCAF. Temporarily in Nanovat, Canada, the North Pole. How many listeners can say that? Oh. No wonder it's so fucking cool. No wonder there's a dash mark in front of <laughs> Royal Canadian Air Force. Yes. Nice. So, I would say, retired... Retired Canadian Air Force. A? A. Yeah, I can't say Exactly. Did I just steal your your bit? I'm sorry. No, I was trying to think of how to do... Retired British Army Officer. As a... A? As a Canadian. That's all you have to do? No, I have to think an, about that. As an Eskimo, I'm going to work on that. We'll practice for next. I time. think it can be done. I think you can, I think you can combine the two. Yeah. With the sort of Fargo, the Fargo thing. Yeah. I have to work on that. I like. Uh, I love that story about the baker. That that is truly awesome. And if you, that's the luxury of having a long playing game with yeah. reoccurring people that we just don't get anymore. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. We would. I think that's the kind of the goal that we're all striving for. We would love to have that happen mm-hmm. again. Oh sure, be able to, to be, able to be able to play that regularly and be well, able to 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 implement mechanisms like that. It, it goes back to the make a villain memorable by making it personal. In this case, it was personal for the villain, mm-hmm. and so he, you know, they made him their enemy. They did that. Yeah, and it was personal and. They didn't even know it right. until the end. I think it's very Traveler-esque, Mongoose Traveler-esque, where you're basically pulling something from your backstory, some little thing that happened, and making that right a moment for everybody. Wow. But this was actually a moment that happened for everybody, not just one person's backstory. Right. But it is. But it basically was a toss-away moment in their journey, yeah. and well, it literally became their backstory, which yeah. became an obsession for that one some of the Some of the very best gaming I've ever seen or been part of was a result of a chance moment in time. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I've told the story before of the the couple where the 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 female character was killed in a chance encounter, and the entire party spent the next year and a half of real time gaming once a week, doing nothing but killing slavers. Killing the slavers, right? Yeah. That was all they wanted to do. Yeah. And it was a chance thing. Yeah. Well, and and I think. Like, it's always the best, like, hero stories where they create their own nemesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where the... And, and Syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like Grendel's it, mother. Oh, wait. <laughs> you did actually kill Grendel. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and it starts well, off with the hero maybe doing something that's not heroic. Right. That then mm-hmm. haunts them forever. Right. And, and, and comes back. Yeah. I mean, it's And, it's you know, awesome. like, you think about the Beowulf story and you think about all the people who died. <laughs> who didn't have to die. Right. right. Because... Well, they, if they had just stayed sober... That one night, <laughs> at the Mead Hall, instead of partying, Grendel wouldn't come in to kill him. Well, maybe if Grendel wasn't such a dick and didn't right. rip people's arms off to begin with, there wouldn't have been a problem. Well, yeah. They did the same. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, 98 minutes. Thank you for joining us. Uh, oh, yeah, let me call this. Is there anything else to plug? Uh, buy a fucking t-shirt. Yep. And keep yeah. listening. We're going to be back every week now. Yeah, yep. Well, except... Except maybe the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. But we'll probably but have we'll a have show. We'll have something. We'll have content up. It won't be live. Yeah. Uh, and we, we will be back next week live. 
Yeah. So, all right. Unsubstantiate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about those. Yeah, you totally did. Uh, what was it? Exterminate. Stork's hair is great. Oh, <laughs> I like that one. That's my favorite. <laughs> Interpolate. Invertebrate. Coordinate. I have one for you to awesome. add. Stork's hair is great. Hashtag Gamergate. <laughs> <laughs> great. Now you're. Now, now we're, gonna we're gonna get the hate. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't the one I was trying to hit. What were you gonna say? Has it had another one for me? I have another one, but we'll talk what? about it after. Okay. All right, excellent. Does it have bait in it at the end? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not conflagrate. But there's kind of a story behind it, which, like I said, we'll go, we'll talk about after. You didn't did, you didn't make a password? How about Brandenburg Gate? It's a huge oversight on your part. It is. <laughs> Joining us for Season 12, Episode 20. Last episode of Season 12. Oh. Uh, it's been great. And, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week. My name is Stu. I'm Kimmy. This is Stork. And this is Jib. And we'll leave you with a song, I think. Yeah, yeah. and buy a goddamn t-shirt. Yeah. Two XLs. Got a lot of them left. T-shirts. Tons. T-shirts. T-shirts. Maybe we'll have a giveaway. Maybe we'll do giveaways for them or something. Yeah. Huh? No, I'm not You're giving on one to you. You have to buy it. What? Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you don't get any more of them. But, yeah, all right. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye.
preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.